KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. It wasn't that long ago that we were hearing and seeing all kinds of headlines, stories, and warnings about spotted lanternflies and how we had to work to keep them from spreading because of the damage they can cause. Now, you don't see quite as many headlines these days, but we were curious, where do we stand in the fight against the spotted lanternfly? For instance, I live in South Jersey, and this summer is actually the first time I have seen them in my area. And just what is it that makes their presence so concerning. For this conversation, we caught up with Dr. Christopher Tipping. He is a professor of biology at Delaware Valley University in Doylestown. So to start, I know a couple few years ago, there were a lot of headlines about the spotted lanternfly and a lot of concern about them kind of taking hold in the Delaware Valley. Kind of give us an overview. Where are we with regards to the infestation of the spotted lanternfly? So when these things were first found in in Pennsylvania, they were in Berks County and uh, their numbers were rather high in in that county. And then over a period of months and a couple of years, they've expanded their range from there. And they um, their numbers have declined initially where they were found, but their numbers are increased are increasing where the leading edge of that infestation occurs. And as they expand their range, it's the the newly expanded areas where the greatest numbers of them occur. I think perhaps that one of the greatest problems associated with them is how they affect the grape industry. And there's a lot of small wineries in this region, and they've been affected by this uh, new insect. Is it just grapes are the only crop? And is it basically they just eat the grapes? And obviously that's a that's a problem if you work in grapes, but are there other areas that they they cause problems for an ecosystem or an environment? So these insects like to feed on a great variety of hosts. And as they're developing from the, the small nymphs to finally become adults, they tend to feed on a, on a broad range of, range of plants throughout the environment. As they get older, they tend to focus on certain hosts for various nutritional purposes. And grapes are a great host for them. They really prefer it. Uh, along with one of our major weedy trees, which is the tree of heaven. So what will happen is once they become adults, they have wings and they can fly fairly long distances. I mean, they're not super strong flyers, but they can fly. And they tend to concentrate on grapes towards the middle of the summer, end of summer. And they feed on the phloem tissue of grapes. And that's part of the vascular system of grapes. Like you and I have veins and arteries Plants have xylem and phloem, and that's how nutrients move through plants. And when you have hundreds of them on a grape plant, there's a cost for that. So not only is it a problem that they're on the plants that have grapes on them, but once the grapes are harvested, they still will try to feed on that plant. And what will happen is towards the fall, a lot of plants, including grapes, will take their nutrients from their leaves and their upper parts of the of the plant and begin to move it down to the roots. And that's how they survive the winter. And then in the spring, they move those nutrients upwards and that's how they make uh, leaves and, and other structures they need to grow. 
So after several years of, of heavy fall and, and late summer infestations, a lot of grapevines don't survive the winter. And that's a serious problem. Another problem with them is the nuisance issue. They're large insects. People don't like them. They, you know, they walk on your house. Sometimes they can get on your trees in your yard in pretty high numbers. And, and people, they just feel uncomfortable about these large insects. And that's, an, that, that's another issue with them as well. That being said, though, they are beautiful. It's really a shame they're so invasive because they are some of the coolest looking bugs I've ever seen. Yeah, they have very beautiful hind wings. They're bright red. And if you disturb one and it doesn't fly away, sometimes they play dead and they open up their wings, their front pair of wings, which are gray with black spots. But the hind wings are bright red. And that's called aposematic coloration, that bright coloration that warns you that they are poisonous. They don't taste good. Don't eat them. And there's a lot of animals that have bright colors that advertise either they taste bad or they might sting you. Or if it's a skunk, it might spray with something a little bit stinky. These insects actually are quite bitter if you by chance happen to taste one. And they're letting you know, don't bother me. I'm distasteful. And that's why they're so beautiful. About when did the concern start? I mean, I, I remember hearing about it, I feel like three-ish years ago. And kind of a multi-part question. Where are they native to? Where are they, you know, where would they consider home? And did I do I remember they got here through a shipping container on a on a ship of some course? Is that the is that proven or is that just a hypothesis? Well, I think what happened is, well, first of all, their native region is parts of Southeast Asia, China. And I'm fairly certain that they've also been introduced into Japan. Uh, in 2008, they were introduced into parts of Korea and they caused some problems, especially with the the grape industry there. So they've been invasive in other areas. So uh, one of the theories is that, and I, I think it's pretty well substantiated, that they arrived in a shipment of quarry rock to a place of business. I think it was a nursery or, or a landscape business in Berks County. And it probably had a lot of egg masses on it. And when those eggs hatched, there was a very high survivorship because there was no natural enemies here for these, these new insects. And their numbers increased, and they were found by a, a person working for the state infesting uh, a tree of heaven, which is um, one of the weedy trees that they really like to feed on. And the tree of heaven is probably their favorite host when they're developing when they're young. It's all over southeast Pennsylvania. It likes to grow in disturbed areas. It grows very quickly. It'll grow 30 feet in one year. They tend to be along railroad tracks or the interstate system, you know, on the sides of highways is a really great place for this plant to grow. And that's part of the problem as to why it spreads. But when it was discovered, I wouldn't be surprised if they had been here more than a year. It usually takes a very high initial infestation for a population of invasive insects to get established somewhere. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were hundreds of them that first season and we just didn't find them. And then the next season is when, you know, we discovered them. So with regards to how to deal with this, are we still in, if you see it, kill it? Is that, is that how we should still be approaching the spotted lanternfly? I think absolutely we should be trying to manage it, uh, especially in places where there's new infestations. I think I mentioned before, when it, when a new organism comes to a, an environment that it hasn't been before, usually the initial population is highest right where it starts. And as that infestation spreads, 
we tend to see a reduction in population uh, in the middle part of that infestation. The leading edge is generally where we see the most numbers. And that happens for a couple of reasons. But basically, populations of these organisms reach an equilibrium in their environment. And, And part of that environment includes management decisions that we make. So there's been a lot of concerted effort by the state to manage the tree of heaven, which is one of their favorite foods. And, you know, people are more aware there, there's some, there's, we've been doing a lot of education and, and telling people, you know, what to look for at what time of year and what you can do about it. And Penn State has a wonderful website about it. And the USDA also has a, a website that has some good information on it. And I, I think over time, uh, their populations, at least where I live, have kind of they've kind of come down. But in in new infestation areas, their numbers are you know still pretty high, and you know the word might not be out to places like in in northern Virginia. But I I, I think they are working on it pretty well. And and this insect has been found all the way west as far as Ohio. Um, I'm not sure if it's in West Virginia yet. It's been found in, in New Jersey for sure, Delaware, Maryland, and I think it's been found in a few counties in New York, which is a serious concern because of the grape industry in New York, which is one of their, I would say, one of their better uh, sources of nutrition as they're developing, especially as adults. To that point, I live in South Jersey, and this is the last few months or the first time I have actually seen them. Should I report it? Should you? Is there someone you should call? Is everyone on high alert now where reporting it won't necessarily do any good? Is there a form I should fill out? Is there anything I can take other than just killing it on the spot to alert to say, hey, I saw it in this zip code or anything like that? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that most states have websites that are looking for information. Like if you find a spotted lanternfly, you should report it. And that helps uh, scientists and workers to try to figure out a way to manage them as they're increasing their range and slow down their spread. Uh, I'm not sure of the exact web page. It's probably through Rutgers. Uh, each uh, state has its own page that that uh, is responsible for gathering data and helping the public with with education. So Pennsylvania has a, has a pretty good uh, website. That's the one I know best, obviously. Like, for example, where I live, the infestation has been here for over, um, you know, at least four years. So, you know, that kind of information is probably a moot point at this at this juncture. But there are counties in Pennsylvania where this insect has expanded west. And people who are trying to control and manage these things, they want to know about where these things are at so they can focus their efforts to to try to slow them down at this point. And we had talked off the air about the problems and you talk about specifically, you know, what they do to grapes and stuff like that. But they also cause problems because because of the lanternfly quarantines are put in place. And this makes life a lot more cumbersome and expensive for companies trying to move agriculture or move goods. No, that's a great question. Um, When I think about the direct costs of of a new invasive insect pest, um, some of it is obvious, you know, uh, grapes are reduced by 20, 30%. Other commodities are affected by reduction in what we're looking for out of them. But there's also costs that are, are, are a little difficult to quantify, and, and that could be time as well. So businesses and organizations that work within the, within the quarantine zones of the counties in Pennsylvania have to be able to show that their workers or the drivers of their vehicles moving in and out of these counties have taken uh, an online course 
And that indicates that you've you've gone through the course. You now have quote unquote have been certified as to being able to to manage these insects if you find them. And basically, the course is about education. Say your vehicle is in a quarantine area. You want to think about did you find egg masses on it? Do you know what the life stages of this insect look like? Because the young ones look very different from the adults. And at the end of the day, it's us that that are moving them. At this point, it's pretty obvious that we're the ones who are are expanding their range. If you look at the counties that are now infested and quarantined, they follow the major highways that run from east to west. So we've got spotted lanternfly. We had talked earlier about the murder hornets. Should we just be prepared with climate change, with global trade? This is not going to be the last insect that is going to cause a problem that we'll probably we'll have to be on the lookout for is this just kind of part of life going forward and we just have to manage it the best we can yeah i that's a that's a really good question as well um when we think about international trade and and how well do we actually inspect goods that are coming into this country and out of our country as well i think that we're always going to have new insect pests so since i've lived in pennsylvania back again, the brown mammarated stink bug became a problem. And I think we first started finding it around the the Allentown region, and it kind of expanded its range out. Everyone's pretty familiar with the ladybird beetles that come in your, kind of swarm on your house in the fall. They're also not endemic. They're they're also from Southeast Asia. And we have the the, uh, spotted lanternfly, which gets a lot of press because it's a nuisance pest. But there's other agriculture pests that are constantly being moved all around the world just because of trade. And it's kind of inevitable that sooner or later, we're going to uh, have new pests. But we do have some tools that can help us kind of predict not only what pests we potentially could have, and they're based on climate models and, and other environmental factors. And we can use them to, one, not only predict where these uh, new pests could potentially come from, but also what would be their range once they are here. So there's a lot of modeling out there that shows that this insect has the potential to spread, you know, out towards the Midwest and maybe a, quite a bit ways north a little bit. And, you know, potentially if it does get established in California, I mean, that is another whole scary thing to think about when we think about all the agriculture there, especially grapes. The grape industry is, is enormous in California. I used to work in it before I came back east. And, you know, think about the wine industry, think about table grapes, think about juice, think about raisins. All those situations with grapes are, are you know, there's many, many acres and many millions of dollars that are made every year on grapes in California. So this is a, a potential concern for them as well. And I'm curious, and I think you said earlier, you know, it comes, it shows up in Berks County and there's like not a, there's not a natural predator because it's not in this area. Does it eventually kind of get inserted into the food chain? Like as the years go on, we learn that, oh, well, this bird seems to really like spotted lanternfly. And in addition to everything humans are doing, this could help maintain the ecosystem. Is that a possibility or have we even already seen it? I, I think we are seeing that a little bit. When we think about the equilibrium that has occurred in the population and the environment where initially it came in, there's lots of natural enemies that sometimes take time to um, become an important 
factor in their population growth. There's fungi, there's other diseases. I'm sure we haven't found them all yet. I wouldn't be surprised if we find, don't find new ones this year as well. New types of fungus, perhaps other pathogens. Um, we know generalist predators sometimes will feed on them. Things like spiders will, praying mantises will eat them. My chickens used to love them. But that, that equilibrium is based not only on natural enemies, but things that we've done to kind of alter their environment. We have removed, I mean, a significant number of tree of heaven is no longer where it used to be. And that, that has an impact on them as well. Plus, you know, we manage them on our commodities now. We use chemistry control. We have uh, physical blocking of, you know, there's nets that are used by some vineyards to keep them from getting onto the vines. So over time, I think we're, we're going to have them. They're not going to disappear, but they're going to occur at lower levels that might not be so significant to us. But the concern, again, is where they're going to be in the next three to five years. And, and that is where we're trying to you know, kind of head off the stampede, if you will, or the invasion. I think we've slowed it down quite a bit. If we had done nothing, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were in across the entire state. But I think, you know, some of our efforts have mitigated their spread. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.